Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation, and manufacturing. A DFA manufacturing media production. Brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission, and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com. And a very warm welcome from Talking Industry, um, from Greenwich in my case, where it's not quite as cold as it has been. So uh, as we're discussing energy efficiency, that's, uh, that's good news, at least from a domestic point of view. Um, today's session is going to be on energy efficiency, achieving net zero and reducing energy consumption. My name is Andy Pye. I'm consultant editor at DFA Media and we publish a range of print and online publications in the manufacturing and automation sector. Um, so we've got three excellent speakers today and they're going to discuss the subject of how the manufacturing community can play its part in global decarbonisation and perhaps equally importantly, if not more so, how to save money on energy consumption and what steps are involved. Um, so um, normally I introduce our speakers in reverse order, but one of them is going to appear twice today. So I've decided to be more conventional and go from the top down. So our first speaker will be Gambica's uh, sector head for industrial automation, Nikesh Mistry. He will talk on um, a cross-sectoral sustainability group that Gambica has introduced and how its members are using automation to enhance the reduction of their carbon footprint. We're then going to go to Alan Baird, who's country manager, UK and Ireland for Danfoss. And his first presentation will be just a quick overview of having attended COP26 and what his impressions are from that meeting and, and going forward. Then we'll go to David Pownall, who is Vice President of Services UK and Ireland for Schneider Electric. He's going to talk about um, how cutting edge technology on its own may not be enough to solve the biggest challenges, focusing on issues of data, data-driven insights and digital services. And then we'll go back to Alan, um, and he's going to talk about some of the technologies which can contribute to um, saving energy, improving energy efficiency, and so on. Um, between those presentations, as we always do, we'll have discussions. Okay, I think that's it. So we're ready to go. And we'll kick off, as I said, with Nikesh, who will introduce himself and then uh, explain to us uh, what his new cross-sectoral sustainability group is all about. Over to you, Nikesh. Thank you, Andy. And good morning, everyone. Uh, thanks very much for coming to listen to us today. Um, I am, as Andy mentioned, the sector head for industrial automation at Gambica. Um, so for those who don't know, Gambica, we are the trade association for industrial automation, laboratory technology, process instrumentation, control and test and measurement and university engagement in the UK. Um, we have about 240 plus member companies who get together in various special interest groups to discuss trends in the market, market overview policy, ways in which we can actually help industry gain best practice um, in all the different sectors that we've discussed. And myself, I look after the industrial automation sector to which 
Schneider and Danfoss are both members. Um, so as Andy mentioned, I'm gonna discuss a little bit about what Gambica are doing um, in the space of the sustainability decarbonization um, areas, but just to sort of set the scene a bit, um, discussions that we've been having amongst our membership um, are the, you know, the pressures that manufacturers have been facing um, over the past five years, is it now, maybe even more. Um, you know, you've got the pandemic, the global pandemic, you've got the pressures of the global supply chain, you've got Brexit, the recent use, invasion of Ukraine, um, and then all of that is leading into the increase in energy costs, which are causing pressures um, in both the supply chain and actually in, in trying to gain new customers um, in the production of um, in the production of actually what manufacturers are making, also trying to gain components. So the increase in energy costs are causing quite a lot of disruption uh, amongst the membership that we're seeing. And um, you know, despite these headwinds in the automation market, we have a different level of resilience to this. Um, and what I mean by this is we've seen good good trends in in the industrial automation sector in terms of sales production. Um, and the reason for this is many of our members are selling products such as variable speed drives, soft starters, um, condition monitoring app um, apparatus, um, preventative maintenance devices, things like this, which if you implement them in the right applications in the right areas, you'll find that they're going to assist you in your decarbonization journey. Um, now, I'm not going to talk about that too much because I'm going to let the experts take that away for, um, and let you know a bit more detail about that. Um, but that that is the, the sort of the scene that we're creating in the industrial automation market. Um, and at Gambico, what we have done recently is we've created a group um, which is cross-sectoral, invites all of the different Gambica sectors together, and they are creating a, a spreadsheet or a list of parameters by which each member will log, you know, their carbon emissions, they'll look at their energy costs, they'll look at, there's about 16 different parameters that they'll go up against. Um, and then we're going to compare that to industry averages and try and ensure that all of our member companies are, are at least reaching the industry average for what we're seeing. Um, so it's some exciting, uh, exciting new developments and shows how many how many of our members will actually want to get involved in doing this at the moment. Um, okay, so you're quite early on in this um, in this journey at the moment. I mean, do you have any early indications of, you know, where different sectors might lie or how changes might be as a function of company size, for example? Yes, that's, a, that's an interesting one, actually. And, and at the moment, we don't have any of the data because it was launched yesterday. It was a, it was a big launch that uh, we had at the lab conference, for the, uh, the Gambica lab conference yesterday. Um, so we haven't received any of the data. However, um, you're very right in talking about the size of companies and how, how it can differ in terms of the funding that they might have to be able to get on this journey. But what we're seeing in the SMEs at the moment is there's a, there's a big a big push for trying to trying to achieve a cost saving because I think cost saving is becoming more more you know more important than ever before um, especially when all the costs are going up so it's not only 
energy needs to be saved, but the cost of components, cost of labor, cost of all uh, different, you know, overheads in buildings, you know, when people are working from home and they need to rent, you know, those sorts of things have gone up as well. Um, so I think businesses are looking at all areas in which they can save costs and energy is becoming one of the, the, the ones that's screaming out to everyone at the moment. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's bring in our other um, our other panelists and and get their take on because uh, they they will be viewing a lot of uh, their own customers and seeing what priorities they have. Um, let let me start with David. Um, uh, and I suppose those same two questions do you see across sectors. And as I speak, I'm thinking, you know, obviously an aluminium smelter is going to have very different priorities to. Uh, to a food manufacturer, for example. So I guess that's understandable. There could be factors of company size. Um, and um, and also to what extent, and we talked a little about this in our pre-meeting, um, we're, we're very organized. We always have a pre-meeting and we plan to do that usually two weeks before. So in this case, we did it yesterday. <laughs> so it's hot off the press. But the, the question was um, about has cost, increasing costs, made a greater incentive towards the energy efficiency and the net zero debate? So, so let me ask David for his comments on those questions. Yeah, I'll start with the last question first, if I may, Andy. And, uh, yes. and yeah, the short answer is yes, it has. Um, I think whether or not it's being done for the right reasons, the, the, the net effect is carbon reduction is part of reacting to this energy crisis and manufacturing is facing it probably worse than any other sector because they operate on slightly slimmer margins to begin with. Um, they're also some of the largest energy consumers. I mean, they account for something like, I think global manufacturing is something like 20% of the entire global emissions for carbon come from manufacturing. So it's a big sector that historically has not done a lot to address that. Um, we've still got all of the wonderful aspirations of 2050 net zero and all the rest of it there. But ultimately, the thing that's driving the behavior is the energy crisis at the moment. I think uh, Make UK did a study that said something like um, 60, 70 percent, I think it is, of all manufacturers believe that the energy crisis is going to have an impact on whether they even remain relevant as a business or not. And when you start thinking about a statistic like that and the energy costs for manufacturing who are typically not protected and weren't particularly well prepared with how they managed the sourcing of their energy prior to this crisis, um, have seen increases of over 100% in the last 12 months, and they will absolutely see another 100% increase in the next 12 months, no, no question, uh, even with the energy costs starting to stabilize again it's going to take at least another year for the system to flush so there's a ton of very anxious people out there and that's driving you know they're all doing the the, the the panic actions as in what can i do turn the lights off lower the heating all of those kind of things but there's um we're at a bit of an inflection point andy is kind of where i'm my head's at because we're facing not just an energy crisis um you know, manufacturing is facing a huge skills gap at the moment. Mm. Um, I think the statistic is something like 40% of all of the technical skills that exist in manufacturing globally, this is, will retire in the next five to seven years. 
as an industry, we're not hiring enough people or training enough people to even get anywhere close to tackling that issue. And we've kind of been sleepwalking into it at the same time as this digital explosion or what are we calling industry 4.0, electricity 4.0 is occurring, you know, the fourth industrial revolution where we need more connected, we need more smart, we need, yeah, we need more highly skilled people to be able to make those systems work. So there's a number of different inflection points all occurring in this melting pot at the same time. Um, we know with every industrial revolution for the last, what, for the last four at least in, in the last 250 years, um, there's been an electrical revolution with each of them. And this is the digital one. Um, and that's that's where I'm seeing certainly in manufacturing is really now starting to wake up and almost take a lead um, compared to some of its other peer sectors in recognizing we you know we know the facts electricity is depending on how you source is at least three to five times more efficient than any other energy source so we, we know it's a good thing um, but how you harness it how you measure it how you analyze it they've been the things that have been typically difficult to achieve because you're always dealing with a legacy installed base or a, an existing manufacturing system that was designed maybe 20 years ago when these things weren't an issue and when no one was thinking about them so that's the area now with the price points dropping so fast in the digital enabled world or the connected product or whatever you want to call it where we're starting to see companies connect then the real challenge is what do you do with the data because people are paralyzing themselves with tons of data and not really understanding the the starting point and the reason often is because they don't have a base point or a foundation or a line in the sand where they're starting from um so that's 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 our that's our view of what's going on at the moment andy there's a there's a huge amount to take account of there isn't there and how the interrelationships uh might play out um you know I, I can't immediately see a link for example between the skills shortage and the energy costs but uh, there may well be one but they're all they're all problems that we're having to grapple with simultaneously which i guess is what you're they, saying they are but i mean you you need skilled people in your workforce to deal with those issues right or uh, you start to rely on companies like Danfoss or Schneider Electric or whoever else you want to rely on or partner with. The issue is we're facing the same issue. So the availability of skilled resources to move quickly to 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 implement whatever it is that you need to implement to, you know, remain viable as a manufacturing organisation is is hampered by by that. So it is linked um, because it actually it. it it causes us all to slow down when you don't have the available skilled resources to deliver so there's a link there for sure okay well i'm going to ask alan in a minute just to give his his comments as well and then after that maybe get uh nikesh to talk on the training issue as as well which i think is one of his strengths um i did see a poll flash up um so hopefully andy can help me because it for whatever reason it's disappeared on my screen um, but we had a poll that we wanted um, uh, our attendee, there it is, um, a, a poll, uh, and it's already running, so there we go, it's just my screen that had disappeared. And, and the question was, um, 
do you know what your current energy cost is? And, and actually, it's quite encouraging looking at these answers that 65% of our audience um, say that they do know what their current energy cost is. Um, and uh, the remainders uh, are, are not so sure. Um, does that, I mean, is that something that would surprise you, David, or is that higher than you might expect? No, I'm absolutely certain that they know what their gas and their electricity cost is. I think it's when you ask the next detailed question, which is, where's your biggest points of energy consumption? Where are your biggest points of energy loss? And how granular can you measure it? We know for a fact, I mean, the the UK particularly is terrible on um, connecting any equipment and have been for a long time. Um, something like 90% of all um, electrical panels, as an example, that my consultants analyze for our customers have either connections that haven't been made or enabled or don't have a connection at all. Now, when you think about metering, and when you think about needing to get to that granular level to be able to drive out waste or optimize usage, that's where that's where the real devil in the details starts to kick in. So no, I'm I'm not surprised that everyone knows the headline numbers. I'd love Excellent. to understand how detailed that knowledge is of their energy consumption. Fabulous. Well, well, you you put your money where your mouth is. So the, the second question that's just going up is, do you have visibility of your largest energy <laughs> losses? So we'll see what they say. Um, I'll be interested. In, in, yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, Alan, um, uh, what what is your take on on that whole perspective? No, thank you, and and it's a pleasure to be here. So thanks, just also to to the audience who have have joined the session. Um, just uh, just a. A suggestion if we can put a poll as well i'd be interested to see the people who know how much they're paying if we could get a span of what the what the costs are because some people yeah. have been tied into longer term agreements some some people are coming out of those i visited uh data center world last week in london we were exhibiting there as as were schneider great show i thought very well attended some really really good quality visitors and I was speaking to somebody towards the end of, of day one who was aware of companies that were going into tariffs of 70 pence per kilowatt hour. That's what they're facing. You know, it must be frightening. It must be frightening. Some examples where we've done, for example, studies um, of sites and we're looking at calculating return on investment based on 10 pence per kilowatt hour. Multiply that by seven or eight, mm. you know, the ROI really comes in, but it's a frightening prospect for people who are running businesses who who are going to be faced with that very, very soon. So uh, just just uh, two points as well and things that David covered, if you don't mind me saying as well. Um, Andy put you on the spot, David, about the linkage between cost of energy and the, the skills gap that we have and we're going to, it's going to be amplified. I think there is a real linkage. I think that what, what we'll probably see and, and I hope that we see is that some of the younger generation potential engineers that could move into the industry see not so much energy cost, but the frightening scenario of CO2 emissions and climate change and how that needs to be addressed as quickly as possible. So I'm really hoping that we see more graduates or, or younger people coming in to the industry that help to span that gap in skills that we're going to have 
and, and the driver isn't probably the cost of electricity. It is about the damaging effects of emissions, including CO2, that are going to have, because I think a lot of people get it. And I think a lot of the younger people probably really get it because they're they're inheriting things that, that we are doing and, and ones before us have done as well. But I think there's a conscience there within that part of our, our society that hopefully we'll, we will benefit from. So I think that's a point I wanted to mention. Um, not wanting to, to contradict something that David said, very, 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 very informative person. And thanks there, David. But just slightly more frightening statistic, my understanding from that, the International Energy Agency is that in industry, the CO2-related emissions is 39%. And in buildings, I think it was 28% of CO2-related related emissions from those two sectors, nearly 70%. Yeah. That's pretty scary. And that's what I say, this, this discussion on industry, for sure, but we should be considering buildings, data centres, you know, huge consumers as well of electricity. So, and we think about industry, we think about the chimney with smoke coming out, you know, think as well, water and wastewater. So I would, I would add some of those into the mix as well, because if we don't do that, we don't recognize the opportunities. And, and the best bit is for me, we can make significant improvements now. We don't need to wait. The technology is here, the expertise is here. We can make a difference now. We, we can't wait. We can't afford to wait. We need to try to enable our customers with, with products and with knowledge and support what they want to do in making these investments. I think David made a great point. You know, there's people there that know how much they're actually paying for the gas and electricity, but they, they may well appreciate guidance and, and conversations about how we actually find the real hotspots and how we positively affect them for the customer's benefit, for society's benefit. Yes, and, and that raises so many interesting points as well. Um, it's hard to know which order to take them in, but um, now coming back to the poll, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, um, Nikesh, I, I will get back to you in a moment because I'm sure you've got plenty to say. Um, we, we have got the results of that second poll now, and, and it is, Happily, um, pretty much what David predicted it would be, which is that uh, two thirds of the audience actually don't have visibility of, of what their largest energy losses are. Um, and that um, that is very much um, um, giving us the opportunity to to help in quite a considerable way. And we will be covering some of those technologies a little bit later in this uh, this presentation. Um, and we have a question uh, which is, um, you know, what technologies are available to us to start helping those make make those improvements and Alan and David in particular will be talking about that a little bit later on. Um, on on young people, um, I, I totally agree with what Alan said. I, I found in many cases it's hard to mo mobilise young people for a cause. Um, but um, the one exception, funnily enough, I was uh, I had a curry last night with some of my co cricket coaches and we got onto the subject of climate change. <laughs> and um, and that's the one thing that the young coaches are very passionate about and, and will get them onto the streets is um, is is climate change for, for the very reasons you say that um, 
you know it's it's a it's a problem that we've handed them and um and uh, they are going to be the people who are left solving it um mm. hopefully at least with our help um training nikesh um well um you know there's there's training and training isn't there because because how long does it take to train engineers you know it's it's one thing to go through you know a university degree or 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 equivalent apprenticeship or whatever but that's only the start isn't it and and there's an awful lot of on job training that also needs to be done so that that skills gap i think is is um if anything even bigger than it uh, it initially appears to be um nikesh i'm sure you're desperate to talk <laughs> as always um no i i completely agree with that actually it's a very very interesting point to make about younger generations um especially what alan was talking about how the society of the younger generation we see that they are genuinely passionate for changing the environment for what it is not they don't want to do it for the energy for the cost saving it's for actually saving the environment and our planet um, and it's actually quite ironic because we live in a younger society where they want you know generally uh, the younger generations are used to getting everything yesterday um, in the current world we live in you know with subscription-based services netflix and Deliveroo and things, you know, you order something now, you get it within the next few hours. Um, and that's the society we live in today. Whereas when it comes to climate change, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's something that they're all passionate about, but it is a, it's a longevity. It's not something that they can change right now. Yet they're all still very, very passionate about it. And it's something that we've also discovered um, at Gambica in our new young council. Um, so we formed a council of we call it the young council, but it's actually, it's individuals in the first 10 years of their career. So they're not necessarily all young. Um, some of them might be a little bit older than others, um, but they're all within the first 10 years of their career. And they formed a council with three different areas of interest. And one of those areas is sustainability. And that sustainability group is formed of, it's got a mixture of individuals who might have been in a, one one or two of them had done apprenticeships two of them had done been in university one couple of them hadn't even been to university or an apprenticeship and just started working and then moved their way within their company straight after college so they've got very different experiences beliefs and areas of training um, and what we're doing is we're working together with our universities and the young council and trying to bridge that gap um, with the training because as you're saying you know it's they're asking for one thing, um, the universities are asking for a certain thing, and industry is asking for another. So what we're seeing is quite a large gap um, between the two. And you know, the, the, the key here is to try and bridge that gap between industry, academia, um, and through the younger generations. And they are, as you know, as you say, they're the most important because they are the ones who will be driving the sustainability um, journey as they're going forward. Um, so it's it's very interesting to make sure that. Um, you know, we're, we're training the younger generations to have that at the forefront of their mind um, because it's, yeah, it's, it's slowly, slowly becoming as if, you know, we, we don't want to miss, we don't want to miss them out, um, in other words, yeah. I, I think that's really interesting, Nikesh, and, and uh, something I'd certainly personally like to learn more about your, uh, your young people's uh, organisation or group. Um, 
you know, and, and how you how you get them involved and energized. I think that would be a really valuable thing to take forward in uh, in another forum at, at some point. Um, what, while you've been talking, there have been some really good posts in the chat from um, Schneider and Danfoss, um, which you can all take away with you and and um, study more on the the energy efficiency um, topic. And and also while Nikesh was talking, very topical um, comment on um, careers and training um, from I think it's Amanda, but I can't see the whole name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which which says how can the industry support in encouraging young people into engineering? Um, well, we've heard one method, which is what Nikesh has had to say, um, but. Um, she uh, says, I, I started an engineering degree at 37 and I love it. Um, I'm too old to switch careers now, but very much regret not doing it sooner. Um, well, I, I mean, my message to that is I'm 60, 69 and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I'd like to hear David and Alan's comments on that as well. I mean, is it too late or are there opportunities? Never, never too late. You're, you're in a once in a generation point of change yeah so in industry 4.0 electricity 4.0 the digital explosion the energy crisis there is never been a more exciting time and more opportunity than engineering and manufacturing offers today um for sure well certainly not in my working lifetime and i think the return from uh, i don't know whether any of you remember it but there was this thing called covid a little while back that uh, that caused a bit of a hiccup but it, it i think that gave the working population a great reflection point on on resetting and we've seen so many people transition roles and transition careers um and you know our work with the military as an example trying to translate veterans that are leaving the services and entering civilian life um, and translating the language they've known all of their working life into the language we use in industry to try and make those parallels is is just one example of how people can can transition roles um, and they do that uh, exactly the same and, kind yeah, of age. and a very good a very good example isn't it because it's about the same age group and exactly. and i think the, the other thing that that comes to mind is perhaps that um you know the rate of change in tech in, in technology and manufacturing is so fast that what you did 10 years ago is is um is not quite irrelevant but but it has it, it, it's hard it's just as hard for people of 37 who've been in manufacturing to keep up as it would be for somebody coming 100 percent. I, I couldn't agree with you more if anything it's more difficult if they've been used to a certain pace of, of change for a long time and then all of a sudden in the last three or four years, the, the change has really exploded onto the scene. It's tough to keep up, it really is. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps, follow us on social, subscribe to our newsletters, and keep up to date at talkingindustry.org.